Welcome to Beyond the Moment, where we focus on the moments that matter. Hey friends, Amanda here. I wanted to hop on really quickly as you guys get ready to listen to today's episode and tell you how excited we are to welcome our first guest speaker, missionary Amy M. Now you're gonna hear us talk to Amy about her time on the mission field, what life is like for her and her family in the country that they serve in, and so much more. And we even play a little fun game together, which I think you probably will get a good laugh out of. Now, for security purposes, you're going to hear us talk about the country that they're serving in, but we won't name specifically where she's serving, and we won't give any details on her family's last name. That, of course, is to protect them um, as they continue serving in the country that they are in. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation with our friend, missionary Amy M. Hi, friends. I'm Becca Lindhout. And I'm Amanda Martinson. And Welcome to Beyond the Moment, and we have a special guest with us, and I'm so excited that she's here. Rebecca, you want to do a little intro for our special guest today? Yes, I am going to introduce you to my uh, very precious jewel of a friend, Amy, who rescued me in summer ministry when we were doing resort area ministries back in 2000. (laughs) Yeah, she really came to my rescue. She had... um, done resort area ministries uh, before me the summer before and we blew up probably filled um thousands of water balloons for beach ministry which now looking back bad idea right seagulls but at least we didn't give them rice right but this is my friend amy m and she is in south asia ministering as a uh, missionary with her husband paul and I am just happy to see her face anytime she wants to show it. Hello. Welcome to the podcast, Amy. I told you we're going to be of the utmost professional um, standards. <laughs> That's standards. <laughs> high professional standards. This is so my style. I love high professional standards. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no, we are. We're so glad that you're here. And yeah. um, I don't know if we want to tell it on air or off air, but at some point we need to hear some embarrassing stories about Becca. So. <laughs> Oh, we, oh, about Becca. Oh, absolutely. Stories about Becca are embarrassing. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I feel can. like you you know the dirt. You have tea, as the Gen Zers say. You've got the tea. Oh, that's what they say now. Okay. See, I don't. Mm, I, mm. We're just launching into the teenage years in school. So I don't, mm, I don't know all these things. Let's see. What year was that, Becca? That was 2002. So almost 20 years ago. So yeah, I got dirt. So anytime you want to know, let me know. All right. I'm going to take stories. you up on that when I, when I need some <laughs> stories, I'm coming to you. <laughs> no, we, we are so glad that you took time to be with us. We know that you guys are traveling and you're in the midst, um, you're home right now on furlough and you're getting ready to go back on the mission field. And so just that you even took the time to be with us and to share. Um, and we really do, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording, but we really, we want our listeners to be able to hear firsthand what, um, some of our missionary experiences and what, what's happening on the field and how they can support and, um, and pray for you all and, and why it's so important. The work that you are doing is so important over there. So thanks for, thanks for taking time to, to be with us and, and, yeah, for, definitely. and for sharing to be dirt here. on Becca at another time. <laughs> 
anytime. Look, my coworker Meredith said today, she was like, I don't think I've ever had a normal conversation with you. And I was like, that is the normal conversation with me is the not normal conversation. Uh, yeah, she keeps, she just keeps life fun. That's what it is. She's yeah. like, life is fun and interesting. That's how it is. Yeah. If you don't, if, you, if I don't leave you a little confused and like laughing, then <laughs> I haven't done my job. I love it. I love that it. It's true. Well, let's, that is true. let's yep. give you the floor for a few minutes and tell us what oh, you can. I know, um, I know for security purposes, there's a reason uh, why we didn't introduce your full name. And I know we're, we're, there's some things we're going to not be able to talk about per se, but um, tell us what you can about um, where you all are serving and just a little bit about what you do there. And then we'll, um, I know Beck and I have some, some fun questions we want to ask you guys too, but um, yeah, we'll turn it over to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So my husband, Paul, and I have been married for almost 10 years, which is amazing um, to say that. And I still get all silly Twitter pated inside when I say that. Um, (laughs) And then we have three kids. Um, Jackson is just about, no, he just turned 13. Just kidding. Um, And he is mine from my first marriage. Um, Lest anybody do the math and get confused (laughs) about those years. Um, Let's just say that right now. (laughs) Yeah. And then Alessandra is our only daughter and she is almost nine. And then Addison is our tornado of a son and he is six. Um, Yeah, we're, I'm originally from Tennessee. My husband is originally from just south of Boston and we lived north of Boston for six years before we moved overseas. Um, And yeah, we, we serve in South Asia and we, um, we live in one of the biggest tourist areas. Well, before COVID tourist areas right now, it's kind of, not really touristy, um, but slowly getting better. Um, and we own a guest house and we own a small hotel and, um, that's how we stay in the country. And, um, we have a hotel and a bakery. And then my husband does, um, his heart is to do leadership training with pastors and to give a better theological foundation, um, where there is really none and give better theological resources, um, by doing different translation projects and, um, doing different classes with different small groups of men that he works with. Um, so that's a very, very brief overview of what we actually do. Um, yeah, we've almost been there for four years, which is crazy to think about. So we're here on home leave in the States and um, admissions speak, I guess we're finished term one and we're here on home leave and then we will go back to term two and we'll see what the Lord has us and how much longer we get to stay there. And that's all in his hands because we have no idea. That's, wow. that's in a nutshell us. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I am always interested too. I was telling Becca this before. I am always so interested in how people um, were called to the mission field. I just, I love hearing the sort of like, you know, I think about a listener who's listening to this that says, well, how, how did they know they were called to the country that they're serving in? So yeah, how did you know you were called to the mission field to be a missionary? Um, that's a really wonderful, amazing question. Um, so I, have always had a heart for missions. And I think my first international mission trip, I was 16, almost 16. And my parents put me on a plane with a bunch of people they didn't know and sent me to Jamaica for two weeks. And this was back, you know, 1995, 96. So, you know, there's no cell phones. It was like, here's a phone card. If you can call your parents once the whole time you're there, just in case something happens. Um, And I remember firmly feeling a call from the Lord that at some point in my life, I was to serve overseas. And any opportunity that I could go on um, to go to be overseas, I I took the opportunity. Even the summer before I met Becca, I had applied for a job in 
doing resort missions, but then I also applied for a job through the North Carolina Baptist students doing um, in Australia, which the Holy Spirit made abundantly clear that I was not to do that job and I was supposed to go do beach I missions. did that job. Yeah, Becca did it instead, <laughs> uh, which is still amazing because that was one of my top choices. And I was like, after we met, she's like, you know, I served in Australia last year. And I'm like, yeah, that was, that's what I wanted to do. Um, again, God's providence in all things. Um, but yeah. And so life took some turns and some curves and some detours that I never expected. Um, but again, God's sovereign over all things. And, um, my husband and I met in 2011, we met online. So ladies, anybody that is listening, men too, um, dating online does work. Um, I met my husband and we dated for nine months before we got married, long distance. Um, and in all those conversations that we had, missions, church planning, something like that just kept coming up. And we just kind of left it open-handed because he was working in finance at the time. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom. Um, and we just kind of were like, okay, Lord, let's just see what happens. Um, and so then fast forward to 2000. Oh gosh, I'm really bad with dates. I think to the end of 2013, um, he lost his job. And two weeks later, I miscarried twins. And, um, it was kind of like the Lord was taking everything away from us. And like the rug pervert, like literally was just ripped out. And we, I remember just sitting there at the beginning of 2014, kind of going, okay, Lord, we have nothing. We have you, but we have, that's it. And that's enough. So show us what you want us to do. Um, show us how to, what are the next steps? And my husband had been praying about getting out of finance, but you know, when you have a family, you can't just quit a job yeah, yeah, and go on. Like you just, it's not possible with finances. Um, and so he had been offered a position to be a local mobilizer with OMF International, which used to be China Inland Mission. We knew the directors there and they wanted us to be um, the local regional coordinators for mobilization here. So he took that job. Um, and about three months later, he had planned a trip with another um, church planner that he had known for years. And they finally were like, Hey, we need to take this trip. Um, so his boss said, yep, you can go ahead and take that trip since you've already, you know, planned it. Um, and it was a three country trip. He went to Nepal, Malaysia, and Singapore to work with the different, um, people groups that the diaspora in all those countries of Nepalese. And I so eloquently and wisely and submissively told him right before he left to go on that trip, do not come home and tell me that we're moving overseas. Like this, it's just this, because I knew something was happening. I knew because the country that we live in kept coming up in conversations. And I actually remember like two years prior to this moment, hearing somebody talk about serving there. And I wrote on a piece of paper, when are we going to this country and slid it across the table to my husband. And wow. I still have it somewhere. Wow. And so it kept coming up. And so after it was a three country trip after the first country um, that he went to, he was just devastated. He was like, I'm done. Like the Lord has just ripped my heart out and filled it with a love for these people. And so after the third country, he flew back home trying to figure out how the heck he was going to tell me, Hey, guess what? I think we need to move overseas. And the whole while I knew, I knew something was going on. I knew the Lord was calling us. Um, and so we had really great long conversations and just prayed about it a ton and realized this was it. This was what, this is why the, the Lord ripped everything out from us so we could just start over and we could just walk into the calling that he had for us. Um, so that was 2014. He made multiple trips back and forth to our host country um, between those time doing leadership training 
and working with the local church and getting to know different pastors and other leaders that, you know, just were hungry for good theology because theology there's not great. Um, and in the process of that, he met a widow um, that owned a hotel. Her husband was one of the very first pastors um, in the whole country back in the fifties um, when Christianity came to this country. And um, through a lot of just God ordained circumstances, if we, we met her, found out that she had a hotel, she wanted to sell it because she was tired of doing it and she was older. And so would you guys buy this hotel? We were like, absolutely. Cause you have to have a business visa or um, research visa or something like that to stay in the country. They don't um, give long-term tourist visas and they definitely don't give missionary visas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, after praying about that and realizing this was our way to stay, um, I went to visit 2015 and had our kids gone with us, I would have never left. Um, and we just really, no, it was 2016 that we went. And then we moved in November of 2017. And it has become home. Um, the last couple months that we've been here in the States, I think all of us have had tears of, okay, we're just done. Like, can we go back home now? Wow. Um, and by home, we mean going back overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so that's a very brief <laughs> how we got there and the call and, um, yeah, just really realizing that the Lord took so much stuff away from us so he could fill us up with what he wanted and just waiting on God's timing because we both had a passion for it. But we knew that we just couldn't, until the Lord opened that door, we knew we couldn't just leave everything and and, and go. And then we did have to leave everything and go in his timing. Wow. And that uh, that in itself is a word for somebody today about just, you know, God just stripping everything down before yeah. he just catapults you into your yeah. calling. I mean, that absolutely that is just so like, that's just rich and just, you know, spiritual wisdom right there, just to be able to say, I mean, that's, that's amazing. I mean, I just, and it, yeah, wow. it was a hard season. I remember we got, we had gotten pregnant with the twins and they said, you know, they're identical, which carries high risk. And, um, so we we're like, all right, this is terrifying, but let's go with it. Yeah. And then, um, he lost his job. And I remember him telling his boss, well, you know, we're, my wife's pregnant, you know, we're going to have twins. And they're like, sorry, you know, downsizing the company, there's nothing we can do. And then literally a week later, um, we lost the twins and wow. we've looked back, um, and really realized that had I not lost them, he would have probably never gone on this trip because I was high risk. Um, because he would have not left me four or five months pregnant with twins to go on because he was gone for almost a month. Um, and so we were talking about it and just, you know, and our, our six-year-old is, is our, is our rainbow baby. You know, he was, he was born almost a year, almost exactly a year later. Um, and so we realized that all those things had that not happened. The pain was, yeah, it was awful and losing your job, but even, I mean, I can tell you guys hours long stories of how God provided financially for us. We had this one woman that would just randomly stop at our house and be like, Oh, there's a bag of groceries out in front of your house. I just saw, ha ha. I wonder how that got there. <laughs> and I would walk downstairs and she had left like steaks and like my favorite crab dip and stuff like that, Aww. like stuff that we would never buy for ourselves. Um, and so, yeah, like it was, it was really a stripping of everything. And we look back and go, Oh Lord, we had nothing. Like mm-hmm. he provided er- every need mm-hmm. during that time. Cause living in Massachusetts is not, a, not cheap. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so it is, it was a, a stripping of lots of things and just sitting there bare and going, okay, Lord, where do we go now? Mm-hmm. What do we do? You know, in the verse, you know, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you always came back up. It was like, we are focused on you, Lord. 
our yeses on the table, whatever it looks like. If we stay here, if we go there, if we don't go there, like whatever that looks like, Lord. Um, so just yeah. for a, a recap in um, Becca time, which, you know, keeping in mind, I'm an introverted extrovert. It was, <laughs> hey, look, Amy's getting married. Hey, guess what? Amy's husband's going on a mission trip. Hey, guess what? <laughs> Amy is uh, drinking some kind of foreign milk tea and trying to hint something to me about a country that she wants to go that she may or may not be going to. Hey, hey, hey Amy's moving across to South Asia. What is happening? So that, that yeah. it, was, it was that quickly. Wow. Yeah, I had a. I had a friend that actually, when I, when Paul and I got married, I was living in Tennessee. And so when I, I was born, like raised in Tennessee, I went to college in North Carolina. I went to Gardner Webb University. And then, so that was two hours from home. And then I went to Southeastern Seminary, which was like five hours from home. And so I was talking to a girlfriend of mine and she was like, you do realize every time you move, you incrementally move further away from home. And I was like, yeah, she's like, college was two hours. Seminary was six, five, five or six hours. She's like, now you're moving to Massachusetts. It's what, 13 or 14 hours? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, what are you going to do next? Move overseas? And this was like years ago and 10, 15, 10, 11 years ago. And I started dying laughing. I was like, no, we're not moving overseas. <laughs> oh God, we're never. <laughs> no. And so when we, when we, when we made the announcement that we're moving overseas, she messaged me. She's like, so who was right? And I'm like, oh gosh, you're so right. So yeah, it's, it feels like it happened that fast. Becca. It did happen that fast because I have this wonderful habit of disliking all of my friends' uh, fiancés, like, because I know they're going to take them away. So I just I straight up dislike all of them. And most of the time I'm right. Um, but I will say that for her, I, 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 like, I didn't even have time to hate Paul. Like, it just <laughs> happened. It's like, dang it. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, you don't. You love him. That's good. That is interesting to think about, though, which is because we always, you know, we think about well, missionaries going, leaving their, you know, their their homes to go where their places they're serving. But it is an interesting take to think about the people that are left behind in those friendships that you leave, the family, like, and and yeah. how and how do and I know everybody's like, we're, we're so happy you're serving the Lord, and, and at the same time, it's this little bit of heartbreak of like my friends being taken, you know, and leaving yeah. and going, and and yeah, that that's an, that is an interesting perspective when you think about the people that are 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 left, you know. Did anybody yeah, just and have like a DC talk flashback for like you've been left behind? <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that song? Not, oh yeah, I wish we'd all yeah. been ready. That's an I'm oldie, sure an oldie but a goodie. Once. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, you've been left behind. Mm-hmm. Repent now. <laughs> <laughs> About the friends thing, it is hard because, you know, you, thankfully technology has made this so much easier. And so FaceTime, Zoom calls, you know, Zoom, all of us should have gotten like, you know, stock in Zoom years ago because we'd all be incredibly wealthy right now. Um, but yeah, it, it is hard because, you know, everybody has good intentions and this isn't to bash anybody by any stretch of the imagination. Um you know, when you leave, you know, you've got the friends that you've had for years, you've got the friends that maybe you've only had for like a couple years. And it is phenomenally intriguing to see who sticks with you when you're on the other side of the world mm-hmm. and who you think would stick with you and they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it has been, it's been hard, you know, because you, you kind of think, oh, well, you know, I, I thought we were better friends than that. 
um, or the people that you might not talk to a ton, but then you do catch up and it, you know, you move on just like you've never, you've never left. Um, and so there are some interesting dynamics and there are people that were genuinely really hurt that we were leaving. Um, and that was really hard because you felt so guilty and you're like, this is what the Lord's calling me to do. I'm not called to stay here and do children's ministry or ladies ministry or the other 1800 hats I, I wore at our home church here. Um, you just take your creepy, you know, I had some friends that they really, (laughs) yes, I will. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it just, and then even coming back for the first time in like four years with our family, you know, like there's a number of people that we want to see. And then you kind of see them and you're like, oh, well, this is not the way that I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, or like my best friend here in Massachusetts. I mean, it has been even with her kids and our kids. I mean, it's been four years and it just seamlessly reentry like back together has just been 100 percent like we never left. Yeah. Um, and so it is it's hard, you know, with parents and grandparents. And I think my parents struggled with that of us going and my mom and dad were like, you know, who cares if you guys go, if you guys take my grandkids, however, there's the big problem. Um, and thankfully again, technology is, is what it is now. Um, you know, I mean, my parents FaceTime with my kids once a week and they can talk to them and I mean, they've got access to everybody and it's, it's been, that's been a huge blessing. Um, but it is hard on the people that's left behind. And, you know, we, we take that in consideration when we went and as we keep going back, um, it's not easy. Um, it's, that's, it's hard. Like I do not look forward to have to get on a plane and the sobbing that will entail from everybody. Um, so, yeah. Uh, let me just say also, um, because I know that they lis- listen to the Harnett County board of commissioners. Um, she has high speed internet in South Asia and I do not in Lillington, <laughs> North Carolina. We have a problem people just saying <laughs> Just throwing it out there if you yes. want to make it right. I'm going to toss it if you want to knock that out of the park, commissioners. You do it. <laughs> we do have really good internet some days. Some days it goes absolutely rubbish, but most of it is pretty good. Well, I know you can't tell us a, a lot yeah. of things just for security purposes, but, um, and I yeah. know Becca's got this really fun thing that we're going to play um, with you in just a minute, but I want to know or have our listeners know rather. Tell us a little bit about the culture, what you can tell us about, um, you know, like what's different there. What are some, um, you know, just cultural things that we here in the States, you know, maybe wouldn't know about or that's so different um, just to kind of give people a better idea of of what life is like for you guys. Um, Oh, gosh, what is culture like there? These questions are hard because I'm so used to things and I'm like, it's just life. It's just what I do. But then you take a step back and you're like, oh, that's not normal. Um, <laughs> um, they're very familial, um, very family centered. Um, you know, you, when you have a house, it's like multi-generations that live together, um, which is really neat to see, you know, if, if, if somebody gets married, you know, you go live in your husband's house with that family. It's very different. Like you wouldn't have a young person necessarily moving out and getting their own apartment. Um, like our landlady lives right next to us. We like, we share the same compound and then her, her one daughter just got married and her 31 year old daughter still lives in that same compound with us. Um, and she'll stay there till she gets married because, or if she decides to move out, but moving out is not like, you know, most of us moved out after college or something like that. Um, that's really not done there. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. after college <laughs> or never, I'm just kidding. Um, came back and, you know, hung out for a while. <laughs> um, but there's but no yeah, leaving and cleaving as we say here, like, 
like you're saying, like, yeah, yeah, like, because it's yeah. always for us, it's like, oh, well, you you go off and you get married, or you go you start your job, and you go, you're like, no, yeah. I'm independent now. It's it's that mindset is different there, is what you're yeah. saying. And yeah, even so. you know, if, if you have an elderly parent, like you have to stay with them, and you you know, you stay in your life. It's kind of like, okay, family first, which is, it's beautiful to see. Um, and sometimes it does get in the way of other things like, no, you know, even if you're like, we have one friend that her, his, his parents are not believers and he is guilted a lot of times when it's like, oh no, you need to be doing familial stuff. And he's like, no, I need to be serving the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so there's that tension of, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you work with that? Um, it is a vibrant hospitality driven culture as well. Um, you cannot, it, it, I love it. Cause I feel so southern at home there um because you can't go into somebody's house without getting tea or getting fed and they'll be like oh no we're having snack and it's like this massive big meal and you're like oh this is not a snack (laughs) it's like full-on lunch um and they want you to come in they want you to you know even i remember we were vegetable shopping a number of years ago and um we had bought like there were three or four of us that were doing like a a whole season's worth of vegetable shopping to freeze um because in the summers you can't get good green vegetables because they don't grow it's monsoon season so nothing it's all wet and rainy and nothing really grows great and the vegetable shop that we went to was so thankful that we were buying so much that he had tea made for all of us and you're all sitting there dripping with sweat and he pulls out these chairs he's like oh no everybody sit sit we're having tea and we're like it is 900 degrees what and it was an honoring thing for him that we would come in and we would sit and have tea with him um, and so it's, it's a, it's in that part of the culture is beautiful. And I mean, like I said, it's vibrant, it's colorful. Um, I remember going to a wedding there and, you know, we had to get the women wear saris, which most of that part of the world does. And, um, if you have never worn a sari, I would invite you to go look on YouTube and see what it takes to get dressed into a sari. Cause it is five meters of fabric intricately wrapped around your body and pinned together. So it doesn't fall off. Um, every day quit complaining <laughs> and so you know trying to pick out colors like they're like what color do you want and I'm like there's 1800 different colors in here what do you pick um and so yeah there, it's just a welcoming culture we've never felt unwelcome um by and large there's been some spiritual issues that we've had that we've in instances interactions in the spiritual world that we've had to kind of deal with mm-hmm. um but as, as far as the culture goes I mean, they're intrigued. Why would you live here? You know, why would you own a hotel here? Why would you bring your kids here? Um, but very hospitable, very traditional as well. Um, they're either mostly Hindu or Buddhist or some combination of both. Um, and so there's a lot of festivals. Um, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, you, you sit back and observe people that are not believers and you see their traditions and their um, their rituals and you realize how devoted they are to the rituals and, you know, it's whether it's Buddhism and, you know, bowing and prostrating yourself or walking around the prayer wheels and spinning the prayer wheels a number of times a day, or if it's being Hindu and, you know, your family has a specific God and there's 300 million gods in Hinduism. And so you have a very, there's, you know, specific worship of different gods for different things. And you don't miss those opportunities to, to worship or to appease whatever your family God is. Um, or whatever the cultural celebration is. Um, and it's been interesting to sit back and watch that and see their dedication to that and kind of go, oh, if only we had Christians that were that dedicated to the practices of worship and you know the, the, all of those things that you know, take them and put them into Christianity aspect. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's intriguing to see and you know, how it, it, it permeates every bit of the culture, like whichever religion there, you know, if it's Hinduism or Buddhism, or like I said, it's a mixture of both. Um, 
like weddings and funerals and, you know, baby dedications and births. And I mean, every part of culture is just infiltrated by what their religion is. Um, but yeah, it's a beautiful culture. We love it. It is, it is. Yeah. It's always been neat because anytime we go up into the mountains or we go, you know, hiking or, you know, we're just out somewhere. It's always like, why are you here? You know, why, why would you choose to live here? And, you know, we get to tell them and, you know, sometimes share the real reason why we're there. Um, but usually it's okay. We just, you know, we have a cultural experience for our kids. We want to be good business people and, you know, love our neighbors well and things like that. Wow. Yeah. Well, speaking of the familial and everything is so centered around um, being with your family. Um, I know that that is a, a plus to the culture, but it's also a negative in COVID season. So could you talk yeah. a little bit about the pastors there and the point of prayer? Yeah. Um, we, uh, COVID hit the country hard. Um, there were a couple of countries in South Asia that were just devastated by it because the hospitals could not keep up. Um, they were having to have oxygen tanks imported from China. I know the US um, and a couple other countries donated oxygen tanks. And But then even just like the cost of getting a ventilator for a day was like, I mean, it was unimaginably expensive. I don't remember exactly the price it was, but just, I mean, it, it hit hard. And we were in lockdown for some version of lockdown for almost six months last year and almost four months, four or five months this year. Um, and by lockdown, I mean like lockdown here in America, you could at least drive and go to the store and pick up things. We could not drive period. Like it was your car stays parked, your scooter stay parked. If you need groceries, you go by foot. And um, my husband is diabetic. And so he had to have a letter from our doctor so that he could get through the police checkpoints um, on his scooter to go to the hospital to buy insulin. Um, and so for months we stayed home and we didn't see anybody. We saw the people that were in our house. We got to see our neighbors if they were out on their, ba- their balconies. Um, it was hard. And the hard thing about it, everybody is familial. And so you live in these family units or, um, you know, next door to us are a bunch of families that live in the same building and they're not going to all stay inside all the time. And so that was, it spread a lot easier that way. Um, because there's just not a lot of separation in, in, in the, the family unit, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and in May this year, we lost 130 pastors, um, in the country alone. And so those are 130 churches that may or may not have had associate pastors. Um, it's a very big thing to not raise up somebody behind, like to, to mentor a leader to take over for you or to maybe send them out to plan another church. Um, that's a big issue that my husband's had to deal with. Um, and so that's 130 churches that don't have a pastor right now. Um, and so that was a big, a big hit. I didn't realize that until a couple of weeks ago that that's actually how many pastors we lost. Um, and yeah, it was, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of deaths. There was a lot of, um, just heartache, um, in the country and having to see, you know, cause Hinduism, they, they cremate. And so my friend went by one of the biggest temples, um, in our capital city and said he'd never seen so many people waiting to cremate their loved ones. Um, and so, yeah, the last year, year and a half have been, have been tough for the country, have been released on the church as well, um, trying to minister to the people and try to make sure everybody has what they need. And then honestly, I mean, we haven't been able to meet as a, as a corporate body. It's been a lot of Zoom churches, church meetings and things like that. Um, so yeah, that was, it was, it was tough. So can you tell us a little bit more about, um, because, (laughs) not to make light of your thing and just move on, but um, 
I, I want our, our folks to, to definitely be praying that God would bring up leaders um, in South Asia. Um, yeah. And that, that there is, there is, there are young people who, um, who have a heart who were just waiting for the moment. And maybe this is their moment um, to mm-hmm. step up. But also I want you to uh, talk a little bit about how you use uh, your business as a ministry. That is a surprising thing that we went into our time overseas, not really knowing what the Lord was going to do. As I said earlier, you have to be, you have to have a business visa or I think the other options are student visa or research visa to stay in country for long-term. There's a couple other ones that you can get, like if you're a doctor to like medical type stuff. Um, So we went in with the hope of getting a business visa, which you have to put a X amount of dollar down payment, which is actually, it's an investment, um, which is actually a lot of money. Um, but the Lord blessed us with people that helped us pay that and invested in our business. Um, so like I said, we have a small guest house, um, um, that we can use and we can hostel, like it's very basic. It's not super fancy. We do have really good coffee. Um, and our breakfast is really good too. We've heard, um, but we serve American style breakfast to all of our guests. And then they're on their own for the rest of their meals. Um, and we've really tried to make it a place of rest. Um, our goal in coming in having a business was, yes, we have to use it to stay in the country. And yes, we do it for other work. But we really wanted to show the government that we can be good business people and that we're good. We're a good business person in the in our in our community. And we've gotten to know a lot of other business owners, some really influential business owners as well. Um, and that's been a really big blessing is to be able to get to know some of them and have the same grounding of, hey, you know, we're on the same page here. We're a hotel owner. You're a restaurant owner. We have a bakery. Could we feature some of your our baked goods in your in your um, business or in your restaurant? Um, the other thing that really surprised us that the Lord literally dropped in our laps is that we have a relationship with the world race and with YWAM. Um, and we host their teams when they come to our city. And so from that point on, we started hosting teams. And so it's been really neat to be able to have these these young kids, young teens, I don't know what to call them, young adults. Okay. I guess the best way I'm 40 years old. So most of them are, I'm old enough to be their mom. Um, and to have these, these young adults come to our house and stay for anywhere from two weeks to two months and just love on them and be a a place where, um, they can rest, where they can feel, um, at home. Um, and if, if you're familiar with the world race, you know, it's 11 months, 11 countries, and they're moving constantly. And sometimes they're, they're staying in church, you know, in the fellowship hall of a church, or they're staying somewhere else, or they're t- tent camping or something like that. And, you know, we really try to have really comfortable beds and hot showers and copious amounts of coffee for them. Um, and it's been a really great opportunity for us to come alongside them and mentor them and really sit down. And there's been some people that come in and they don't know anything about the country in which we serve in. Um, they don't know anything about the religious background or um, they don't they don't really have a great grounding in theology to begin with. And so my husband and I have been able to sit down with them and really um, work with them and talk with them and mentor them. And it's made, it's created some really great long lasting relationships. Um, And so that's been a really surprising part of getting to stay overseas and what the Lord does with our business. Cause we really, we prayed, you know, that our business would be a blessing. And I remember very early on, a very wise person said to me, you know, if you never do any ministry outside of the four walls of your guest house, you're going to have a successful life here. And I thought it's a really interesting perspective. And it's been so true um, to be able to in, be able to have people in our home, host them. Um, I remember we even had a couple people 
randomly come to our house that were not believers. And we ended up sharing a meal with them one night. And they were like, so what do you guys do here? Like you're Americans, you own a hotel, you've got kids. What are you doing here? And my husband just gave them this beautiful presentation of the gospel. And they were like, wow. You know, and so I don't know what their background was. I don't know what they're doing now, but it just, it's been able, we've been able to share the word with people, whether they're believers or not. And we're going to pray that more people like that after lockdown come and, and get to hear that Mm -hmm. gospel message. And it was interesting. Amy was telling me um, before we started recording that they left a place that was 98% unchurched in New England to go to a place that is 98% unreached. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's, that's a major thing. And, and, and she said, but there's a big difference between unchurched and unreached. Mm -hmm. Like in Boston, you can, you can hear about Jesus and in South Asia, Asia, they might be the only people with that message that those people see ever. So um, we're going to pray for more opportunities like that for you. Um, Thank you. I wanted to play a quick game with you because um, all of my stuff must be uh, theologically unsound um, or irrelevant. So here we go. All Are right, you ready? This okay, is maybe. Called, this is the game of Southern equivalents. Okay. I feel like I should put some theme music here. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. <laughs> Southern equivalents. Okay, so okay. I'm going to give you a Southern thing, or maybe just an American thing, and I want you to give me the. South Asian equivalent of that near you. Okay. Okay. Got it. It might be a place or it might be a recipe. It might be, you know, just, just answer well. Yeah. Just go with it. (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. What is the Asian South Asian equivalent of a casserole when it comes to comfort food? Comfort. Oh, my favorite. It is called Dalbot. It is most countries in South Asia eat some variation of it, but it is basically rice and like a thicker, well, depends on who's making it, thicker lentil soup. Um, but in America, we think of lentils like, like whole lentils and they're like the texture is not great. These are like lentils that have been chopped like split in half and it's cooked down into this. Oh, I miss it so much because I've tried to recreate it here and it doesn't taste nearly the same. So Dalbot would be our equivalent of comfort food. When I'm sick, that's what I want. But it's a daily eaten thing there. For kids, what is the like go-to lunch equivalent of PB&J? Culturally there, it would be the same thing. It'd be Dalbot. It's rice and the, the same meal. They have it a couple times a day. Oh, um, for my kids. Nobody wants to be the kid that's bringing Dalbot. Like, come on, in their lunchbox? No. My kids, it would be... Nutella sandwiches, although because oh. they don't like BB and J, but we do have Nutella there. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we'll yeah, take that. Okay. Yes. So, um, from a um, kind of iconic standpoint, who would yep. be the equivalent of Colonel Sanders? <laughs> Who's the king of Dalbot? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I could, uh, ooh, what is, I don't know if there is one, like for food wise, cause there's not, we don't have any fast, we actually, we have KFC in our, in our city. So it's Colonel uh, Sanders. So, yeah. So it might be Colonel Sanders. I don't know. I don't know if they would know all who Colonel Sanders is. Yeah. We do have KFC and it is spicy, but it is so good. 
Um, That's interesting. So, so if, we don't have food, if it's yeah. not food, who's like the, the happy person that everybody like knows and celebrates? Not that we all celebrate Colonel Sanders. Not really. Who somebody. celebrates Colonel Sanders? I do. Um, I have a Colonel Sanders day every every year. <laughs> I dress up in a white suit and a little uh little tie there. A tie. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I don't really. It's 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 a funny question because like the older generation aren't really like very traditional, and the younger generation like the 25 and under crowd, they all have access to the internet and TikTok and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, they know a lot of Western things. They know far more Western culture than their parents would know. Okay. And they actually probably know far more Western culture than I know. Um, so I don't know. I don't really have a good answer for that. Okay. I mean, we do have well, Colonel Sanders. You but, lose. Okay. So yeah, moving on. <laughs> what would be the equivalent of the phrase, bless your heart? Uh, in our community, bless your heart. Cause I've taught them all that. Um, <laughs> she's doing the Lord's work. <laughs> I am doing the Lord's work. I actually funny story. Side note. I was at a homeschool meeting and I, myself and one of our other, my other friend, Heather, were the only two that are Southern in our community. Everybody else is either from a different country or from like Pacific Northwest area. And we were talking about dress code and trying to figure out how to make sure that the girls all had things covered. And cause we have a very diverse group of, of ages. And I said, you know, I was one of the leaders of our homeschool co-op and I just said to them, you know, Hey, like, if I tell you that your daughter's outfit is not okay, I'm really not trying to be ugly, but, and I finished the sentence and my friend Heather grabbed my arm and she was like, Amy. And I looked up and everybody, all the other moms were kind of looking at me like, what did you just say? And it occurred to me that they didn't understand what I meant, even though they, most of them were American. And my friend Heather goes, she is not saying that your kids are ugly. She, <laughs> and she had to explain this whole thing. And I was like, oh, oh, I didn't. Okay, sorry. I had gotten ripped on so much for that because I said that somebody was ugly. And I'm like, no, no, no. I was, that's a very Southern thing to say, apparently. Mm-hmm. You're so, being ugly. Yeah. I, yes. You guys get it. But no, yes. I was like, oh. Oh, and I didn't even think about it. So I've had to, I've had to really pay attention to my Southernisms. Um, the equivalent of bless your heart. I don't know. If they or just the like, poor you, a poor you kind of. It, I don't know. I don't really know if there's, there's one that a lot of people say that just basically is like something happens and you're like, yeah, hey, what to do? Like there's ah. a specific phrase. It's like, yeah, hey, what to do? Like, there's nothing you can do about it. So just move on. Yeah. Um, and so that's a lot of like, I hear a lot of people saying that because it's like, oh, gosh, why is this happening? And they say it. And you're like, what to do? OK, move on. Mm-hmm. I like that. Like, yeah. I'm just going to use so that just, with Amanda. From I, now. I was, I was going to say, we should, we should start incorporating yeah, that. <laughs> and it, it, it's honestly just like that. It's like, OK, what to do? Yeah. Okay. What is the equivalent of the state fair? Well, um. There's a couple. New Year's Eve is a huge festival, a big street festival. Um, and then you also have um, in April or March is Holy, which is H-O-L-I, which is a season of, it's a festival of colors. Like everybody wears white and there's games and there's stuff and everybody goes and throws color powder at each other. Um, and then 
actually next month, October, November are Hindu holy seasons. There's two different ones that they celebrate. One is the festival of lights. Um, and it looks like if you've ever been to Gatlinburg at Christmas, it looks like that on steroids. Oh. Um, and so there's games. It's super fun. We actually pretend that it's Christmas and we drive through the city and listen to Christmas music. Um, and there's games and there's festivals and there's like, they make these Ferris wheels out of wood that look totally safe. Um, and these big, huge swings that people like on bamboo and they swing and stuff like that. So that, that would be about the equivalent is a couple of the different, um, Hindu holidays. Okay. Sub question. Okay. Can you get a fried Oreo at negative? <sighs> no, uh, can't be an which is sad. No, you cannot get fried Oreos, which is devastating. Um, I guess I could make them because you can get Oreos. I feel like um, you would have a huge ministry, a fried Oreo ministry that would bless everyone's hearts. I should do that. <laughs> Put that on your uh, list for 2022 possibilities. Oh, yeah. Okay, last one, and I'm going to go dark. Oh, jeez. What is the equivalent of the boogeyman? Uh... <laughs> I could say a lot of things right now. Um I have no idea. I mean, I'm sure that there are some things in, in the, the, the religious culture that that parents use to tell their kids to not do stuff. Um, because, I mean, the major religion has 300 million gods, so pick one. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah, they all kind of, yes, a lot of them probably seem like boogeymans. Boogeymen, boogie women, yeah. some of them. Okay. Boogie right. people. Well, boogie people, that's right. <laughs> all right, so... Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to ask the last one that I have written down, but I'm going to go ahead and answer it. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? I think I can. I think I know enough. I think I'm, a, I'm an expert now. Okay. Okay. Biscuits and gravy. And I'm going to say Dalbot. 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 Is it Dalbot? Yeah. Although I have tried to make biscuits and gravy and I was told right before we left how to make my own sausage gravy. And I'm going to have to try it when I get back because- it is not a thing. Actually, there's a woman that is from North Carolina that lives in another town where I live and she owns a cafe and she has made biscuits and gravy mm. and apparently people love it. And I'm like, okay, challenge Oreos accepted. And biscuits and gravy. Like that is your, your missional gold mine right there. I will add like, that to our bakery You would menu. be able, able to give to Lottie Moon to the States if you... <laughs> Had a had a business of Oreos and biscuits and gravy. I mean, I'm so just... when we first moved there, our first Thanksgiving, I made deviled eggs, and I had made my little list of all the things that I wanted to make, like corn casserole and deviled eggs. And our landlady was like, "Why are you making the deviled eggs?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's not what I meant." So we changed it. And we wrote picnic eggs down because we didn't want anybody to think we were making deviled eggs. <laughs> Um, I think that's what I have at my house always. <laughs> I, yeah. And so the other thing I made corn casserole a couple of years ago and our landlady comes in and like, you know, we had, I had, you cannot get turkeys in, in our country, or at least you couldn't four years ago. They were really expensive. And so we had chicken and green beans and we made apple pie and I made corn casserole that I'd had growing up. And our landlady walks in and except for the green beans, she was like, everything is the same color. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. She's like, I don't really like all this food, but I love that corn stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you do. It's real good, isn't it? It's like, I like and some American Here in is Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. I was like, all bland food. Yay. <laughs> Here's all the yellows and whites that we could ever consume. 
She's just, because the food there, South Asian cuisine is not one color. Like it is vibrant. Mm. You use turmeric in a lot of stuff. So it is beautiful colors and the vegetables and even the chicken is really lovely color. And so, yeah, it's really funny. They're like, your food not colored well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, she's not wrong. <laughs> no, she's not. Go to Cracker Barrel. Said, There's no use, color there. Yeah, I was going to say, we could use some more color. <laughs> we, we digress. But anyway, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Amy, so much for being with us. And if uh, you could name just one or two things right before you go that you're like, y'all, if you could just power us up with some, some concentrated prayer right now mm-hmm. for this, um, then we want to do it. Um, number one would be our health. Um, I have not been feeling well for the last couple of months. It could be that I'm allergic to America. I don't know. Um, but I don't feel well, um, 90, 90, 90% of the time, um, just dizziness and just general feeling like junk. Um, and so that's been rather frustrating. Yeah. It's all the beige food that I'm eating that I'm not used to. Um, it could, it honestly could be what I'm eating, but I just, I don't feel great. Um, and the other part of it is transition. Um, transitioning back to the States. Our oldest has been in America since December, visiting his other, his other parents and family. And so just a transition back for all of us, um, because this is the longest we've ever left the country. And as much as we're excited to go back, um, the ease of life here, like getting to go to, you know, drive through coffee or whatever it looks like, or, you know, being able to stick a frozen pizza in the oven, um, it is going to be a little bit of adjustment to go back. back um, so to that we would- back to reality exactly yeah i'm so, aging yeah. myself right now Heck yeah you are <laughs> yeah, just pray for those things that we would adjust well back and that our our second term would start off well okay we will do that in fact Thank Amanda, you. why don't you do that right now yes i would love to awesome all right and if you're and listeners that are listening with us you just don't close your eyes if you're driving um but uh but pray along with us as we pray for amy and her family Gracious Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful for Amy, Lord. We're so thankful for the passion that you have given her and not only her, but just her family to go and to serve where they're serving, Lord. And um, we just pray, Lord, um, for Amy's health and for her whole family's health and um, just the time of transition. That That is really difficult to go back and forth um, and then to transition after being here in the States for a while. And so um, we just pray for them that you will just cover that time for them, that you will ease that transition time, especially um, for them and for the kids and just help them to acclimate back. And um, and for Amy's health, especially, Lord, that you will just help her body to feel so strong um, so that she is not worried about her health and that she's able to just go and to serve you um, and just to feel strong and uh, have her body feel so strong as they go back. And and so we pray so many, 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 many blessings over their ministry, um, all of the ways that they are able to reach people and just to have conversations with people um, to help the leadership and the churches that they work with and just all of the work that they do, Lord, just um, we just pray abundant blessings over them um, and safe travels as they go back here in the next little bit. Um, and we're just so thankful for them. We're so thankful for their obedience, um, the radical obedience that they have just had and the surrender that they've had to you in their life. And um, just to be able just to hear about their ministry, how we can pray, how we can support them. Um, just we always want to do that. And we just thank you so much um, just for the way that they live their lives and for the people that they are. And so um, we just pray for them as they go back and we just give you all of the glory um, and pray blessings down upon them. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. And just before we go, um, um, because they could not um, 
go through um, the IMB for their missions placement. Um, we are going to share in our notes uh, about how you can help to sponsor Paul and Amy through Globe Missions. Um, they could really uh, use a hand. So let's uh, keep them in our hearts, but also um, show them our love um, through, through generosity. So I hope that you will check out our, our notes and um, give generously to them as they continue to have such a wonderful, powerful ministry. And just thank you again, Amy. I, I have one oh, last goodness. thing that I thought we would go out on. And that is just one last final question for you is, is there something that you wish people knew about missionaries that, that maybe we don't know, or that maybe we have forgotten um, in ways that we can support you all and, and pray for you all? Oh gosh, that is an amazing question. Um, I think one thing, I think we kind of touched on this with having, with leaving and leaving people behind, um, maybe as a two-sided answer. Um, don't forget the people that have left. And if you have gone overseas, you have a friend, a family member, keep up with them. And even if it means just sending them an email every once in a while, send them a Facebook message, um, finding their address and being able to send them a care package, even if it's a little expensive means so much. Um, and so I, th I think that's a big thing is just, you know, put forth the effort because even the small, you know, Hey, I just wanted to check in with you and see how you're doing. How can I pray for you? And really meaning that and not just like the, the rote, Oh, we're praying for you. You know, so, so much of us, we do that. Um, and I think that that's, that's a big thing is, you know, especially woman to woman or mom to mom being able to say, Hey, you know, how can I pray for you about your kids? You know, how can I pray about your ministry? Because I think I struggle with um, my identity, not my identity in Christ. I knew, I know who I am in Christ, but what am I, what am I supposed to be doing overseas mm -hmm. and having other women check in with me and how can I pray for you and how can I keep you accountable? And that kind of stuff is, is a, is a huge thing. Um, yeah, I think that would, that would be my answer. Well, I'm, uh, I'm going to send you some Duke's mayonnaise. Do it. To, just to keep you in stock. <laughs> necessary. <laughs> necessary evils i will that's do amazing it. <laughs> i love that though. but that's that's it though that and that's that's so important is to remember like i mean you are you've left the comforts of one home to go to mm -hmm. another home and just the the transition and all of that and and just yeah. to to be seen and and to be um and just you know from us to you all just we just appreciate you guys so much i mean you you Thank are you. you're on the you're on the front lines with this and um and we can't stress enough how much, um, you know, support and prayers are needed, um, for, Absolutely. for you I, guys. Yeah. Yeah. I think with that, it's just, you know, realizing that we're not, yes, we're doing something special, but I, I feel like so many people romanticize missions and put you up on a pedestal that we don't, we don't want to be on, mm. you know, we're just, we're just people. We just live in a different, on a different continent, living with different people, but it's still life and it's still we're just serving. We're just serving in a different context than how you guys are serving or how the pastor of our church is serving. Um, and so I think just as somebody would check in with you and say, how's your ministry going? There still needs to be that check-in because we're not super Christians. Like we struggle and we, we, we mess up and we don't have as much grace with our neighbor as we should, or we are short fused with our husband or, you know, even with our kids not doing well. And so it just, I think that that's something that we really all would appreciate is just, you know, Hey, you know, how's it going? And, you know, and be okay with them saying it's not going great today. I feel like I'm making an absolute mess of my, my family or 
my walk with the Lord or whatever that looks like. Um, and being able to give other missionaries room for honesty. Yeah. I have literally, it's like messaged her and been like, I'm gonna kill my kids. And she's like, I'm gonna kill my kids too. I was like, great. I'm glad so on the same page. Just, it's, 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 it's a Southeast Asian thing, a South Southern Asian thing, not just, just a, in Lillington, North Carolina at my no, house thing. It is a global thing. But it also, I bet it made you feel better too, just to know that, you know, we're all, we're all just a hair away from killing our children. It's, it's global. <laughs> it's a global movement. <laughs> Some things are universal. <laughs> yes, right. exactly. Uh, well, thank you, Amy, for, for doing this with us Gosh. and for chatting with us some more. And just, we really, thank you just, guys. Yeah. We just keep praying blessings for you guys as you guys go back. And thank you for all Thank you, you so much. All this right. Love blessing. your guts. Love your guts too. Bye. Bye.